Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Hey, everybody, it's Mark Pattison, former NFL player, now climbing the seven summits, and welcome to another fantastic episode of Finding Your Summit, all about people overcoming adversity and finding their way. Okay, look, seven, eight years ago, I had to step into the fear and put a big-ass goal out there, and so I decided to start climbing all these crazy mountains around the world. It's been an absolute amazing journey. And, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I've actually done six of the seven. I've actually been on Denali twice. I've been on uh, Climb Successfully, Kilimanjaro twice. But now it's Mount Everest, the biggest boy on the block, 29,000 plus. And I'm headed over there April 2020, and I'm totally keyed up. And I'm keyed up because I've been doing all this preparation. I, I train like an absolute bear. And... um really putting myself in a position of success. I'm going to be climbing with one of the top climbing outfitters in the world. Excited about that. And uh, just the mountain has fascinated me for years, I'm sure, like others. But uh, really excited to do so. And so if I can actually pull this thing off, I'd be the first NFL player to do so. And so as we speak today, there's not that many first in the world. So uh, I look forward to tackling that. Okay, so that's one. Two is I totally appreciate the lesson on these different podcasts. I really do. And uh, it's been an amazing journey, as I said, from um, not just interviewing these people, but being on the other side of the, the the mic and really taking in their incredible stories of doing amazing things. And look, we all need to be inspired. And so if I can help provide and find more people that meet that criteria, all the better. And uh, it just, we all need that, that, uh, that motivation. And we all need that those words of encouragement that you can make it back relevant to your own situation and then plow forward in whatever endeavor you are trying to do. Okay, so I appreciate that. And uh, if you want to find out anything that I have going on, you can do so at markpattisonnfl.com. I've got a book out now called Finding Your Summit. Go figure. And it is essentially the playbook to uh, what I had learned from my Hall of Fame coaches on how to emerge and do some great things in your life. It doesn't have to be mountain climbing, of course. It can be anything, but it's 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 a plug-in that you 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 take on these different these different things, these different goals, that these different strategies that that I've set forth, uh, that they set forth for me, and good things can come from that. Okay. Also on the website, you can find out more about my expedition. Obviously, I'm be going to I'll be going to to Mount Everest, and we'll have more information about that coming up. There's an e-learning course, and of course, the podcast. And when you go to the podcast, you will find an iTunes tab. And I would be so grateful if you go in and you'd rate and review. Now, it all has to do with visibility, popularity of podcasts, because there's so many podcasts out there today that it's so easy to get lost and like, wait, where's Finding Your Summit? And uh, I think I really do believe these stories are are really amazing and and incredible and can really give a lift to those people who really need it. 
And even if you don't, we all need to be motivated and, and uh, inspired by other people to keep going. So if you'd go in and do that, I would be really, really appreciative. Okay? So look at, let's go listen to the pod. It's going to be awesome. Here we go. Hey, everybody. It's Mark Patterson. I'm back with another great episode of Finding Your Summit, all about people overcoming adversity and finding their way. And, you know, I've had a streak of many mountain climbers that have been on the pod. I think I really try not to be too top heavy with NFL players or climbers. But, you know, I think the reality is at the end of the day is that that's the world that I do live in. And I, and I am fortunate to be amongst many of these different people. But like all these guys, too, even though that might be their title, at the same time, they're well-rounded. They have many other things going on. And the one thing I love about my guest today is that he has been out. He's tried and done many different things we're going to get into and I love this quote, and I want to throw this out there, and then we're going to dig in. But the only thing that isn't okay is to quit trying. And I think this sums it up for my guest today, Luis Benitez. Luis, how are you doing? Good. How are you? Well, I'm jacked up, man. I'm jacked because I'm talking to you. I'm jacked up because you've done a lot of things that I'm trying to do. And um, again, going back to this quote, the only thing that isn't okay is to quit trying. And that's just been absolutely opposite. You're a well-rounded guy, you know, you, starting off with, I guess, your mountain climbing and, and then going backwards and then we'll go forward again and talk about some of the things that you're up to today um, in terms sure. of really helping, encouraging and promoting, you know, really outdoor life. And so I think we are very aligned. I'm broadcasting right now actually from Sun Valley, Idaho, my, my home studio and right at the base of the mountain, very cool. And uh, I'm beaming all the way over to Denver, Colorado, another obviously outdoor area that that is a wonderful place to go and experience that skiing, all the other things that that uh, the great state of Colorado offers. So let me start off with this. So you grew up in Ecuador, is that not right? That is right. Yeah, I grew up bouncing back and forth between the states and Ecuador. And Mark, I got to tell you, feelings mutual. Followed your NFL career and obviously really excited by the things you're doing in the mountains, um, climbing the seven summit. So the, the admiration door swings both ways. Uh, but yeah, definitely was growing up between two distinct cultures in Latin America and in the United States. And, uh, you know, Ecuador's really got where, really where I got my start mountaineering. Well, there's a mountain that I want to climb down there, Cotopaxi. And, and yep. there's, a, there's, there's a story that goes back that you're 14 years old or so, and you're going up the mountain and throwing up from trying to get up to 19,000 feet. And for somebody who who really started off with an experience like that, and not only that, but you grew up, you had you had asthma as a as a kid. And for those people that you don't know, I mean, I'm just going to state the obvious: the higher you get, the less air is up there. It's harder to breathe. You got to do a lot of techniques around pressure breathing, and then to add on top of that, this asthma condition that you had. I mean, how did you possibly get through that? And why would you be motivated to continue to uh, keep climbing beyond that and one day become a guide? Honestly, it was one of those things that, uh, you know, our doctors at the time recognized that spending time at altitude really helps your lungs get stronger because they are thinner, cleaner, and it forces you to breathe hard. And what a lot of people don't realize is that those breathing exercises that mountaineers learn to deal with high altitude are the same kind of breathing exercises that high altitude mountaineers do. So you're, you're learning things, or at least I was learning things at a very early age that, you know, the higher 
we would go um, trying some of these peaks, the more freaked out people got about being affected by altitude, yeah. the calmer it made me because those were the things that really kept my breathing in check yeah. and, and kept me calm during an asthma attack when I was a kid. So let's talk about your conditioning, right? So, you know, most, most kids just by nature of being a kid, like a, like a dog, like a puppy, you know, they just run, run, run until they fall over. Were you well conditioned as you're going up code epoxy for your first time? What kind of training did you do? Yeah. I mean, when I really started to get into mountaineering, it was, you know, I think it's like any other professional athlete who really finds that passion at a young age. It, it, it's all consuming. You sleep it, eat it, drink it, live it. And so for me, conditioning was everything from throwing extra books in the book bag, even though I didn't have homework in those subjects, all the way to running hills, holding my breath underwater while trying to swim laps in the pool, you know, whatever I could do to increase my lung capacity, especially from being a sick little kid. My mom likes to joke, you know, once you were healthy enough to go outside, you, you never really came back in. Yeah, no, that's great. And and, and I, I want to like, you know, go off the track here just for a minute and talk about an experience I had this last weekend. Uh, today is now August 8th and last weekend over, you know, 4th, 5th or so, I was climbing Mount Rainier. I'm sure you've been up that mountain. And um, I was asked to co-guide along with another guy who's, who's actually climbed um, uh, Mount Everest. And um, he had invited along a Navy SEAL. And so, this Navy SEAL had invited other friends, three or four other guys. And so one of the things that uh, I just assumed that, you know, being a SEAL and still pretty hardcore and he, 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 his business in life is really about bringing guys down to his place in San Diego and running them through a like buds type experience, uh, hardcore training that the guys that he brought in the group would be equally as, as fit. And as it turned out that one of the guys in the group um, who I got, now I can say stuck with, did not do the exercises, did not do the training. You know, when asked about his, his preparation, he talked about walking around the block <laughs> and, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> 14,411. And, and the problem was that, you know, really the second day when it kicked in and there were all kinds of signs just in terms of his weight, his breathing, um, not doing the kind of lung pressure breathing that you were talking about going up, you know, not only did he pay the price, not only was I pulling him up the mountain on a rope. Not only was my best friend, Jim Mora, pushing him from behind up the mountain, but by the time we got to 12,500 Disappointment Cleaver, on top of that, he was throwing up everywhere, very nauseated, falling down. It got into a dangerous situation. And it pissed me off because here I was, I'd put in just an amazing amount with Jim. We trained together here in Sun Valley. You know, we, we did something like 550 miles of hiking and road work uh, during the month of July alone, and then we show up ready to get to the top. And then somebody else's friend doesn't do the work, they don't do the preparation, and then we have to pay the consequence by not summiting and taking him down and taking care of him. And then the whole time he's a mess and he doesn't he doesn't enjoy the experience. And I'm sure you've had times like that in your life when you were guiding, uh, working as a guide for adventure consultants um, out of New Zealand that you must have run into situations like that, which just gets super frustrating. The main difference is that you are a paid guide, and so you kind of probably can expect anything can happen. And as just a person who has an affinity for the mountains, non-paid, non, you know, I'm not a professional guide. I'm just somebody who's trying to help out. Very frustrating situation. Yeah, I mean, it. you, you kind of hit the nail on the head, and I'm sure 
the guys from the teams, you know, shared with you, you know, where you go one, you go all and mountaineering is definitely in that, in that same vein, you know, you got to put in the work. And the thing I love about mountaineering is that you, you, it doesn't matter how big of a check you write to work with a guide in some remote corner of the world. If you're not prepared and if you haven't put in the work, it's going to be the, the biggest waste of money you've ever put on the table. You know, I think one of the things that is so, I guess, rewarding about mountaineering is that you, you can't fake it. There's no way to fake it. There's no way to just be dropped on a, a summit. You, you got to put in the work for preparation. You have to be ready to go because what I tell people all the time is that, you know, mountaineering is one of the, the most merciless sports there is. Um, if you're not ready, you're going home. There's not a question about it. Not, oh, I'll get in better shape while I'm on the mountain or on my way to the mountain. It's pretty much over before it begins. And so when you're able to have those sobering conversations with clients and expedition members before you even leave, nine times out of 10, you can scare somebody enough to like, wow, I really got to, I got to do more than walk around the block. But there is that small percentage that, you know, thinks that there's some magic formula or some other way. And, and there just isn't. It's one of those old fashioned put in the work and that's the only way it's going to get done. Well, there's this quote and I love that by the way. Uh, and you're right. And you know, that's probably my lack of experience from, because I'm not a professional guide that if I would have been more experienced in terms of leading others, not always being part of a group, I probably would have asked those questions from experience of having something like that happen. So you live and you learn, you move on, which I've now done. And, and, uh, but you've got this, you've got this great quote, which I really like. Okay. And even if it's not yours, I want you to claim it because it's super good. (laughs) Okay. It says, challenge yourself and change your world. And I, I, I really, yeah, no, it's me too. And I want to ask you, like, you know, why did you come up with that? Like, like for what experience in your life, like dropped into your lap and you had a moment in time, I don't know what it is, I'm guessing now, but you had a moment in time where you had to like step out there and say, you know what, I want to be a professional mountain guide. I want to go attack this mountain. I want to go do something that I've never done before, uh, but really stepping into the fear and, and, and the unknown and then you know, just amazing things falling and coming, you know, your way. I want to ask you about that. So tell me about that. That uh, and I want to say it one more time before you, you answer. Challenge yourself and change your world. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, I, and it's, it's interesting. We're hearing this in the news a lot more these days that, you know, the more advanced we are from a, a technology standpoint, I think the more complacent we are with stepping out of our, both our, um, our mental and physical comfort zone. Uh, I think it's one of those unique things where technology has brought us so much and has helped so much. But then there's also this thing still of, of human versus nature that I think you get into with, you, you want to test what you're capable of, what you're made of, and it doesn't necessarily need to be life risking, uh, but we have to come to this place of understanding that for mental and physical development, if you don't push that boundary of what you think you're capable of, not only are you never going to know what you're capable of, but that stretch I find is part of our, is part of basic human evolution. And one of the things that, you know, if you don't find a way to challenge yourself, it doesn't need to be every single day. And sometimes you may be in the middle of a challenge and you just may think life's really hard right now. When you really need to look at this and say, you know, eventually this is going to end. You mentioned the SEALs earlier. The SEALs have this great phrase, the only easy day was yesterday. 
So you know it's going to continue to be hard, but yet you, you reflect back on it and you realize that there was a learning there. And so the reason why I, I try to share that if you, if you find those challenges, if you shape those challenges, and if you lean into those challenges, you can't help but change your world. Even if it's as simple as changing your perspective of what you think you're capable of, all the way up to changing the way you live your life, what you look, how you look at exercise, how you look at an education, how you look at family. Um, how you look at your own self-worth or self-awareness. And so I, I really do believe that if you lean into those challenges, you can't help but change your world and your perspective. Yep. So give me now specific examples of how this example of which you just went through uh, played out in your life. Sure. I mean, I, I can point to the, the biggest one for me. I, I was 28 years old and I got invited my first time on Everest. I've been on Everest seven times, but my first time on Everest was with Eric Weinmeier, the blind climber. And the reason why he was inviting guys that have had a little bit of a resume, but not a lot of Himalayan veterans, because most Himalayan veterans wouldn't touch his expedition with a 10-foot pole. They thought it was career suicide because Eric was going to get hurt. That was going to damage you know, their career because they were going to be the guy that was working with Eric. So it was, it was really down to Eric to decide, these are the people that I want around me not only because I trust them, but also because, you know, there's, <laughs> they're willing to go and they don't see this as a death wish. And having that expedition be not only successful, but having every team member summit, having Eric summit, the only blind person to ever climb Everest and, and all come home safe. It did. It changed my entire career trajectory. It changed my personal trajectory. Um, it changed my world. Now, if I wasn't interested in mountaineering necessarily, if it wasn't something that I wanted to do for a career, would I have said yes to that? I don't know. But would I have even been invited if I didn't, wasn't working towards that goal you know, to my original point and putting in the work? Probably not. So I can point to that as a very distinct challenge where making the choice to lean into something that was going to be hard, really, really, really challenging from a mental and physical perspective then, you know, my world wouldn't have shifted. Would I have gotten to Everest eventually as a guide? Probably. Um, would it have had the same impact on me personally and professionally without that challenge? No way. Wouldn't have been the same. Hey, this pod is sponsored by Laird Superfoods. So many products to choose from, from your InstaFuel, your coffee, your tea, your smoothies. And I love the superfood creamer and use the hydration powders like the beets, the coconut, the matcha, the turmeric, to mix all into my seven summit smoothie, and it's so good. Log on to LairdSuperfood.com and get your 20% off when you use the code MarkP20. Okay, so get your Laird Superfood, and I guarantee it will help fuel your journey. Yeah, no, I love that. That's it's almost falls into the category of contribution a little bit. Eric has been on the podcast before, he's a remarkable guy. Anybody who's, I think, climbed the Seven Summits, been up Everest, and again, he's blind. He, we, we had a great discussion about him kayaking down the Colorado Kayaking River. the Grand Canyon. Yeah, yeah the Grand it's Canyon. Amazing. Yeah, it's just insane. I mean, you know, imagine going into a, into a closet and, and being tossed and turned and flipped and everything else. And to him, for him to pull that off is, is, really, is really incredible. Uh, a parallel story to that, I was invited, some of the listeners have, have heard this part of the story before, but not all of it, but I was, um, I was invited uh, three years ago to be part of Chris Long's Waterboy Foundation and expedition down to uh, Kilimanjaro. I've done it now a couple of times, but 
essentially it's this collection of former NFL players. There's six or seven of us. And then there was, I think, four ex-Marine people and three of them had been wounded in, in uh, combat. And one of the guys had was in a firefight and had um, shrapnel go and explode and uh, had all kinds mm-hmm. of injuries. But one of those things too is he was blind um, as well. And so I wasn't the main guy leading him up the mountain, but there was another high-ranking officer uh, in the Marines that had flown over and he was going to essentially be, be his guide dog. And he had fallen over and he got high altitude sickness. Um, so he had to leave. And so we traded leading this guy up the mountain. And it was so much energy. Um, and I know on Everest, you're not necessarily saying, watch out for that rock, go left, go right. But um, at the same time, I mean, you have your own challenges and it's just not, you know, you, you turn off the volume and nobody talks. I mean, there's communication that's going on. And it was just, I just remember how much more energy I had to put in of putting my arm out for him to grab it, for me to you know, go up the mountain and, you know, step over the tree, do this, do that. And so I have a lot of respect for the fact that you, <laughs> you took that on and Everest is another 10,000 feet higher than, than uh, Kilimanjaro and, and that, you know, you guys were able, able to be successful. Yeah, no, I mean, it was the experience of a lifetime for sure. And thank God for all of us. We said a quiet prayer every day that Eric was an inc- and is an incredibly capable teammate. So he's not somebody that just showed up and expected to be dragged somewhere. He was a very competent and safe climber, which we never would have been able to get it done without his his level of skill. So you ultimately become a professional mountain guide. And when I was reading about this, the thing that really jumped out off the page was that you were were a part of the whole adventure consultants. And so I don't know if I'm I'm predating this or not, but you know, the reason why that jumped out as a, as a name is because of uh, the guy who founded it, Rob Hall. And of course, Rob Hall was, unfortunately, one of the infamous guys in Into Thin Air, uh, the way that all played out. He passed away. He died on top of uh, Mount Everest trying to guide these guys. and They ran into an awful storm. Uh, you know, so tell me about that experience. Were you there when Rob was there or did you come in after? Yeah, so it, you know, it, it's definitely a storied uh, company with with a lot of history. When Rob passed away, Rob's widow, Jan Arnold, um, eventually sold the company to a fellow by the name of Guy Cotter, who's the new CEO and, and a really great guy. And honestly, when I came on board, Guy and I met on Everest the second time I was on Everest, and you know, they really hadn't gotten back to being a Seven Summits company. They really hadn't. I wouldn't say recovered after Rob's death, but it was really one of those, what do we want to focus on? What do we want to be as a company? And, you know, what a great place to have a job interview. I, I just told Rob that if he'd take a chance and, and bring me on board, I'd, I'd help him answer some of those questions. And so being a part of getting that company back to being a, a global brand and a, and a seven summits company and um, doing a lot of really amazing things all over the world was, was yet another experience of a lifetime. So, you know, that, that job, I'll always be grateful to Guy and my time with, uh, with AC or adventure consultants and still keep in touch. Still, uh, still ask for the occasional trip here and there because once a guide, always a guide, but they're an amazing company and to watch their storied history evolve and to get back to that, one of those top slots around the world, which they still are to this day, brings me a lot of pride and a lot of joy. Well, I mean, it should because you're affiliated with with a company that, you know, kind of out of the ashes, you help pull them to where they are today. 
and then going back and 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 th- this may this number may be more than than what I I read, but you've done now the, the when you put it all together, seven summits, thirty two times, meaning you've gone around the world a bunch of times and and hit all these different mountains. As you mentioned, you've been up uh, Mount Everest uh, seven times now, which is incredible. For you, what was the most challenging mountain? And I ask you that because you know I'm supposed to go to Mount Everest in April 2020. And um, uh, there's a lot of people, I've been on Denali twice, and I thought that was a mother. It, the altitude didn't affect me, but just, you know, carrying 140 pounds and navigating your way through the yeah, yeah. and everything else. Like, where do you stack all these mountains up around the world, which, you know, this one really kicked my ass, and this, these others, you know, were challenges, but very manageable. Yeah, I mean, you know better than anybody else, what can make a mountain challenging varies right so the terrain can be great but the team can be awful and vice versa i've seen expeditions end in shambles with great weather amazing conditions but just dysfunctional teams that can't get it together and and can't figure it out happened Um, to me this last weekend (laughs) yeah yeah well there yeah exactly there you go so it happens sometimes but i think technically the hardest mountain i've ever been on um last time i was in pakistan was 2010 and we made a a dual attempt of broad peak and K2 wow. um, and, and, and the mountains in the, in the Karakoram range are just uh, they're, they're next level in the context of technical difficulty in the context of their remote location, getting in, getting out. And I don't know if you remember anything from the 2010 season, nobody summited anything this year. There were hundred year floods that wiped away bridges. So we were, we had to be airlifted out of the Valley um, Islamabad was in political turmoil at the time. So <laughs> that whole trip from start to finish seemed to be uh, a little cursed. But I would say from a, from a degree of difficulty, K2 and Broad Peak really, really stand up there for me. Yeah. And as you compare uh, Everest with Denali, I mean, how do you how do you rank those two? Yeah, you know, it, it for different reasons, right? So Denali, it's exactly what you said. You're not only carrying a heavy pack, but you're pulling a sled because it's a three-week trip bringing everything in with you. Yeah. Um, and, and so the, the weight and also your location to the Arctic Circle, because you're so far north, north, it's a little, it's a little deceptive. You know, it's only a little over 20,000 feet, but because of the barometric pressure and you being so far north, it kind of feels like a couple thousand feet higher. So yeah. the weather there, the remoteness, and just the sheer brute physical um, impact is difficult. And Everest, it's that old saying, you know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Uh, you know, if you show up at the bottom of the mountain on day one, worrying about summit day, you're going to, the head game alone could cause you to go home. You have to focus on each day, one step at a time and, and try not to get too far ahead of yourself. Cause on any given day, you could say to yourself, this is enough. I want to, uh, I'm done. I want to leave. And then you still got to find a way to put one foot in front of the other. Hey, I'm excited to introduce our new partner of the pod cascade mountain tech an outdoor brand from the Pacific Northwest, which is where I'm from, that offers a great selection of trekking poles. They're incredible. Super coolers, camp chairs, LED lighting, and much more. Right now, Cascade Mountain Tech is offering 15% off your first order by using the code FINDINGYOURSUMMIT15. That is, FINDINGYOURSUMMIT15 when you check out at CascadeMountainTech.com. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I, I think that's metaphorical in life, too. Right. And that kind of maybe, you know, 
transitions just a little bit over from where you've kind of blended from climbing to consulting, really the development of the outdoor industry. And like anything we do in life, it's one step in front of the other. In my football days, we'd say one game at a time, right? So you're not looking at the Super Bowl because you may never get there, but you just mm-hmm. want to focus on what, what is the next thing that's coming up. And that's the only thing you need to worry about. And everything else will take care of itself. So the, the, the consulting part for you, what has that meant? What is that exactly in terms of you helping others realize their dreams and going back to this, this quote that you, that you created that I love, challenge yourself and change the world? Yeah, you know, I mean, for me, it, I've been lucky enough to grow up within the outdoor industry. I mean, I was an outward bound instructor starting when I was 19. My American grandfather owned a sporting goods store. Um, I got into mountaineering in, in high school and, and later on in life, which became my professional career. And as you know, when you're a guide, you have to be doctor, lawyer, engineer, priest, rabbi, politician, all wrapped into one depending on what country you're operating in, which really led to an interest in not only foreign policy, but government affairs and also how companies and organizations that utilize natural resources as a vehicle for what they do and how they make money give back to those natural resources and and really focus on conservation and stewardship. So the natural extension for me as I evolved out of full-time guiding was really trying to find a way to connect some of those pieces together. And so trying to understand how to be connected to organizations that had a, a deep purpose and, and mission focus um, and also put their money where their mouth was, um, led me to work for Governor Hickenlooper here in Colorado, where I oversaw the entire outdoor industry for the state for five years, but also because my boss at that point had political aspirations, who's now running for president, allowed me to go out and speak to other states that were looking to create a similar office. So now there are 15 states with an outdoor industry office um, that all roll up to the National Governors Association. So, you know, this isn't just about trails and rivers. This is about economic development and regions utilizing these resources for how they define quality of life, for how they recruit companies to town, to how they keep people here, to how they get people outside to be healthy and active. So there's a public health component. And the work was incredible. It was phenomenal to to work for an amazing governor. Governor Hickenlooper is a, a really amazing individual. And, you know, when VF Corporation, which is a holding company, uh, and we own some pretty big signature brands within the industry like North Face, Jansport, Smartwool, Icebreaker, Eagle Creek, Ultra, the list goes on and on and on. Um, when they decided and were looking to, to move their headquarters, because of all of our work in the outdoor industry, they thought Denver was a logical choice. So now I've jumped the fence from the public sector back over to the private sector, and I oversee um, their government affairs function as well as their foundation, which is a $10 million a year um, philanthropic arm that gives to some of the things that we're talking about. So conservation, stewardship, getting kids outside, focusing on education, focusing on diversity, equity, inclusivity, and access for the outdoor industry. And it's it's really amazing because when I look at the arc of my career, if you would have told me way back when I was an outward bound instructor, even a wheezy asthmatic kid, that someday you're going to oversee a, a state's economy for an industry that you love. And then end up working for a company that owns the brand that was, you know, owning a North Face jacket when I was a kid was like walking around in Gucci to some people. It was the pinnacle of of what you could wear in terms of a product. And 
to be able to work for them and serve them and help represent them is the honor of a lifetime. So I've, I've been pretty blessed and, and pretty lucky. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, you know, there's, there's another quote, something about um, this was uh, Ben Hogan. And, and he said something about, you know, what makes me lucky is the amount of practice I put in. Right. And, and so mm, that's and there. That, yeah, yeah, no, it I does. Get your reps in. It does. You, you put your reps in and it puts you in a position of, of success and good things can happen, but nothing can happen if you don't come to the plate ready to play ball and step up and, and make it happen. And uh, I mean, it just sounds to me like this is something that I, <laughs> I wish I had that title. Uh, basically, the, 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 like the, the chief officer of outdoors. I don't know what that would exactly look like, but being able to go around to all these different states, these wonderful communities in Montana and Colorado and Idaho and Washington and wherever else you've been, and being in the outdoors, encouraging people to get their tail outside and just go out and hug a tree and you know keep keep nature clean and just all the different things. Ironically, I was just saying this last night. I was at a the, the, the Sun Valley here has a, a symphony during the month of August. They play ten or twelve times down at the Pavilion, little outdoor amphitheater. And you're out there sitting in these these chairs, the mountains, sunshine, birds chirping, I have happy people. And I had just come off from a radio reunion in uh, in Napa, beautiful spot, but flying into Oakland. And then I flew from there to Seattle for my my main job. And the net net was just like the homelessness, the traffic, the this and the that. And just being able to really appreciate the outdoors, uh, the beauty that it has, just kind of taking a big step back and then opening your mouth and taking a big gulp of fresh air is just food for the soul for me. You know, it doesn't have to be for everybody. I mean, if somebody lives in New York City, you know, awesome. But for me, after where I'm at and where I sit in my life, this stage of my career, I just think there's just so many mental, physical, emotional benefits that you get. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, the, the crazy thing is, is that we, <laughs> and I believe me, I've got one in the basement, so I'm not, I'm not, uh, making fun of it at all because time is actually also a precious commodity yeah you know when you when you look at the treadmills and the bikes that have a, a trainer on a screen in front of you we're now trying to get to the point where we're replicating at least a human interaction during during activity because it's it's too difficult to get to a gym and i and i get sometimes that that's the case but what you're talking about isn't just the physical reps you're talking about the mental reps and studies have proven and the veteran community is really the the space that has that has driven this point home that spending time outside not just walking in an urban sidewalk but under a tree toes wiggling in the grass next to a creek or river or even in your your neighborhood park just green space does something to your chemical makeup in your brain and in your body there's actually direct causality and health benefits to spending time outside to the point where doctors now in four countries and three states are legally allowed to prescribe time outside a time outside instead of prescribing a course of medication so we're getting to this place where i think it's i mean we all know like if, oh god i gotta unplug i'm too plugged in i'm too on my phone i just gotta pause for a minute not watch tv maybe read a book and then everybody adds, and maybe go outside for a while, dot, dot, dot. And that yeah. going outside is proving to have tremendous health benefits long term. 
Well, you know, look, obviously I'm a, I'm a believer. I moved my life from uh, Southern California and Hermosa Beach all the way to town of 4,000 here in Sun Valley. I'm across the street from the mountain. I get up into the mountains every day. And the, oh, you lucky man. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing that you just said about um, the, you know, you're talking about replicating some things that you can get in the gym in lieu of the interaction with others and being unplugged. And, 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 and I, even though I go to the gym every morning and I go up in the mountains every afternoon, the, the, everything that I'm doing in a gym basically is replicating all the things that you would do outside. Right. So if you, you know, yep. you've got your, 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 your bike, you spin on, you've got your stair climber, that's a mountain, you've got your weights, which are rocks, you know, so you can recreate the same thing outside and it just seems like it's just a better place. And, you know, the energy and everything else. I want to ask you one last question um, because it ties a little bit to the things that I did with Chris Long, Waterboys Foundation with, you know, he partnered up with Nate Boyer and they've really had an effect on the, um, the veterans of, of our great country, um, Warriors to Summits. Tell me a little bit more about your nonprofit. Yeah, so Warriors to Summits actually began with Eric Weinmere, the, the blind climber that we were talking oh. about earlier. With we, it was our 10 year anniversary um, for climbing Everest, and we were to the point as a team where everybody to a person on that team has seen some level of success connected to re- really the expedition and the things that we decided to do after the expedition. And so we wanted to give back. And at that point, given our level of involvement in a couple of wars overseas, we all had friends that some of whom we had actually worked to help train with rock climbing and ice climbing at a unit level, but we all had friends that were coming home and they weren't in good shape, both physically and mentally. And we wanted to help create an organization that not only gave back to the veteran community, but do it in our own way. And so, you know, this wasn't just about sitting under a tree and trying to, trying to reconnect with nature and, and heal a little. This was about going out and stepping out of your comfort zone and a little bit into harm's way, the exact same way you did day after day, but in a very supportive environment with surrounded by friends and staff and guides that, that know a little bit about that journey. And so that's how Warriors to Summits was created. And now it's a part of a larger nonprofit called No Barriers that Eric started. Yep. Um, and, and it's just, it's been an incredible journey, but I will say, it's one of those things that we've had everything from graduates of the programs go on to get married, start companies, have kids, um, go back into the military, all the way down to really not being able to handle the reintegration and committing suicide. So what it showed us was that the fight's not done. There's still more work to do. And it also validated for all of us that it was, it was the right choice and the right thing to start well, that's awesome. And again, Eric has been on the on the pod probably 50 episodes ago, and it was just fascinating to listen to all the different things that that he he had a choice in life, right? And and he sure did. We we can't control some of the things that happen. You know, in his case, being blind, um, you can't control your height, your weight. Uh, well, I guess you can't control to some degree your weight, but you know, just some of the things that you're intelligent. I mean, there's just certain things that you're just God given, but there's one thing that you can bring to the table and everybody can bring to this to the table and that's attitude and having that attitude of gratitude and, and, and appreciate life and be positive, right? You're only here for a short time, relatively speaking. And so for a guy like Eric and yourself to go out there, roll up your sleeves and not just think about, you know, what's good for you 
you're trying to help others and the, the feeling that you get when you do that and bring recognition, money, support, all the things that, that these types of guys who, you know, we're talking about the veterans now that have brought to our great nation uh, that they've sacrificed. And then for some reason or another, they've been blown up or missing a, a hand or a leg or something where, where it's to the point where, you know, we're going to give them the, the proper tools to help, you know, deal with this, get them through this. And hopefully they can pay it forward, you know, once they get kind of over that hump. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the hope, right? You know, the attitude of gratitude that you mentioned, I think is important as a personal philosophy, but the thing that I think would be, it sounds like you impart to your listeners and something that we all deeply believe in is that if it only begins and ends with you, that doesn't help the world. You have to find a way to bring more people into your orbit and help them understand what their path is. And so ho the hope is someday they could be thinking and doing the same thing. So speaking of challenging yourself, you're now an executive of the VA Corporation, <laughs> you know, which is amazing. And you've had this amazing career as a mountain guide. Uh, I, I can't believe that you've hung up the boots, hung up the, the crampons. Uh, what do you see in your future in terms of, you know, maybe this goes parallel side by side from your professional career, but what do you see in terms of your next big challenge physically? Ooh, you know, I'm not, yeah, once a mountain guide, always a mountain guide. If the crampons are hung up there, it's, it's a pause. It's not a stop because I think that's, that's just given too much to my life. And I try to get out there and guide for nonprofits and charities that I'm involved with and get down to Ecuador and get on Cotopaxi quite a bit. So you'll have to, we'll have to follow up offline on that one. But so physically, there's a couple of routes out there that I'm still still interested in doing. The West Ridge on Everest has always been a dream line when with the right team of people going after that would be a, a bucket list for sure. Um, and, you know, and, and personally and professionally, the, the thing that as I get older and start to pay attention to the arc of my of my life and my career, what I have come to understand is that every single component has an element of service to either my community, my state, my country. Um, and, and knowing that and realizing that and, and recognizing that th there's always a need for people that have a, a call to serve. Um, I'm in the, you know, I'm on the journey right now trying to answer what that could or would look like moving into the future, whether that's in service to my country, to my state, um, or even to my community. I think it's, we've, we've got come so far, and this is my own little soapbox from seeing that as a viable career choice, if you will, to, to live a, a complete life of service, that, that I think it's going to be important to challenge that perception and stay involved and stay engaged because that's what makes towns, cities, communities, states, countries grow and evolve and stay connected. Yeah, I love that. So where can people find you if they want to reach out, connect in some way? Oh, I'm pretty easy to find. My website, Luis Benitez, my name, uh, .info, or I'm on Twitter, at Endeavor Consult. At Endeavor Consult. Okay, cool. Well, listen, I appreciate you coming on the, the pod today. And I want to end with where I started with, with, again, I've said it now three times, but I'm so inspired by it. I want to say it again. The only thing that isn't okay is to quit trying. And you haven't done that. You continue to push the boundaries. You continue to uh, contribute back in, in some way. And it's just awesome to uh, finally connect with you and uh, have you on the pod. Thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, guys. He is Luis Benitez. Thank you so much. 
Hey, thank you so much for dropping in and listening to another amazing episode of Finding Your Summit. Truly incredible people doing spectacular things in life, and I hope you were inspired just like I continue to be. Look, I am super grateful that you came in and subscribed to this pod and would be more than appreciative if you gave the show a ratings and review on iTunes. Trust me, it matters. And then also go share it with your friends, of course. Okay, until next week, go do something great. And remember, it takes a little more to make a champion. Bye. Hey, and thank you so much for listening to the Find Your Summit podcast. We are so glad to have you along for this journey. And if you enjoy the show, please tell a friend, share it on iTunes, spread it to the planet. We're looking to broadcast this to every person that is out there because, as you know, everybody has their own summit that they're going after. Okay, if you're looking to follow my journey, you can find that through my social links on markpattisonnfl.com. That's Mark, M-A-R-K, Pattison, P-A-T-T-I-S-O-N, NFL.com. So until the next podcast, just remember, clear eyes, full hearts, and remember, it takes a little more to make a champion, so make it happen. Thank you. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.